Welcome to the Recovery Coach Podcast, where we focus on person-centered recovery, peer support, and all the recovery things. I am your co-host, Allison Broderick. And I'm Seth Harris. And today we want to explore the concept of resentments. Maybe specifically uh, asking the question, answering the question, why are resentments so dangerous, right? Or maybe why are resentments unhealthy for us? Yeah, yeah. And, and what? how does it relate to recovery, or does it? Yeah, um, and, and specifically some ways that we've sort of navigated this whole concept. I know that it's something that's common and working through like a fourth step as part of the 12 steps, something that's common conversation in the substance community, especially, but in general, these things can be beneficial for everybody's got somebody that they feel like they've been wronged by. Absolutely. (laughs) Treated unfairly. And so, um, We want to kind of explore that and then maybe dabble a little bit into how that can bring us into a place of forgiveness and the concept of forgiveness. We might get to that. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. They are related. They are. Yeah. Yeah. They're big, too. They're they're not that far apart. They're like really close, maybe first, second cousins, something like that. Yeah. Anyways. um, So I, I wanted to... So, Allison, I wanted to kind of just like make the concept of resentment pretty simple to start with. So for me, and and this is what I always share with guys when I'm kind of teaching this stuff, talking about this stuff, resentment is the feeling that I have been wronged, not the fact that I have been wronged, right? So you may ask yourself the question in terms of what has caused me to feel wronged by a person or uh, sometimes even... Uh, an institution, an ideology, um, the way the world is, anything, right, yeah. can kind of fall into that category. And specifically, when people talk about dealing with resentment, um, they do talk about what is my role in feeling the way that I do, in feeling wronged, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, I'll I'll say this. I um, When I first stepped foot into recovery, which really – it was a 12-step meeting, and it might have been two, my second or third meeting, and uh, I became friends with another woman, and she and I were talking after the meeting, and she asked me, well, what are your resentments that caused you to drink? And I very nonchalantly, matter-of-factly said, oh, I don't have any resentments. I just drink because I'm bored. Mm-hmm. And wow. It made, me, it made me feel good. <laughs> yeah, like I keep coming back. <laughs> um, and soon enough, you know, I realized, oh, I do have tons of resentments. Um, and I think about, you know, in terms of, well, my drinking, but it could really be any acting out, you know, if it's um, disordered eating, eating disorder, uh, mental illness, uh, gambling, Mm -hmm. shopping, whatever it may be. But essentially what I was doing with alcohol was drinking the poison, expecting the other person to die. Mm. 
I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I know that I just, just along that vein real quickly, I had, um, had a conversation with my sponsor recently where we we're actually talking about this concept of having a resentment towards people that are no longer with us, mm. which is, is, can be very common, especially if there's a, a resentment towards a parent, you know, and, and people have grown older or, uh, maybe, um, somebody else you were close to that, that has moved along, but, or maybe even people that you don't have a way of communicating with. But anyways, th- this notion that, well, my behavior towards them based on my resentment is really only hurting me. Yeah. Right. And yeah, that's dangerous. Yeah. Yeah. And if, if you really think like, if you really dive a little deeper, which we like to do Seth, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> Essentially, it's codependency. Mm. It, it that's at the root, um, and that took me a while to figure out. T- tell me more what you mean by that. Yeah, um, I remember I started working in addiction treatment um, about a year into my sobriety, and the men's director who had been at this facility since. Gosh, I think it opened in 1975. So he knew his stuff. And he and I were talking, and he said, take away alcohol from the alcoholic, and what you really have is a codependent. And that took me several years to figure out. But what what it is is, well... I want you to do what I want you to do, or I want you to behave the way I want you to behave. Control, right? Mm -hmm. And you're obviously not doing that, or I feel wronged, I'm hurt, I feel betrayed. All the things that start brewing a really fat resentment. And because I begin feeling powerless, then I become dependent on the alcohol as my numbing agent. Mm-hmm. And I'm co- now I'm codependent on the alcohol. Yeah, it, that becomes um, what a lot of people call the relief, right? The, the, the opportunity to not have to deal with the things that make us irritable, restless, t- discontented, as they say. Um, and also something that, that I was recalling as well is kind of within the recovery community, it's often talked about as the resentment being the number one offender. I mean, you talked about, you know, it's sort of leading to these decisions, right? In a lot of cases, there are so many things that are unresolved internally, right? I'm just thinking through, you know, the issues that I have with things I can't control, are really born out of an internal, at least in my experience, an internal kind of disruption. Right. Like I feel restless with the world, you know, and and I don't know what to do with that. Right. And so I have this reaction, you know, and, and, and it's not necessarily always, you know, that, that somebody drinks or that they, you know, you can, I mean, you can just have a, a pleasant outburst towards somebody that you care about <laughs> <laughs> that would still be 
you know, an attempt to deal with the fact that you don't know how to deal with. Yeah. <laughs> so really, instead of the that restlessness that you mentioned with the world, on the flip side of that is this restlessness within me. Mm-hmm. And I... I have to take it more from a personal standpoint. Well, what was that restlessness? You know, it it was resentment against myself. Example, saying yes when I should have said no. Mm-hmm. Something that maybe I agreed <clears throat> to participate in that kept bumping against my values. And... It's easier, the easier, softer way is to point the finger at the world, so to speak. Um, And so I remember when when I first got into recovery, I heard a saying, and and it may be a very well-known saying, I'm not sure, but if I'm not part of the problem, there is no solution. Mm -hmm. And... That really flipped the switch for me. Uh, I knew that, okay, if I keep living this way, you know, drinking to numb out, um, drinking to not deal, to not feel, well, I don't know how much longer I was going to have. And when I say that, I mean, you know, here on this earth, really. So... I knew I needed solutions. And when I heard that, I realized, huh, it, the power really lies from within. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's, it's having the courage to address all of the resentments. You know, there's a difference between anger and resentment. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, all the emotions that come out of that experience, right, are, um, it's funny you mentioned that because I think that sometimes we almost like add shame on top to the, on top of the fact that we feel those emotions. Yeah. Right. Like, you know, I'm angry at this person, right. Or maybe I'm angry at myself for being upset with you know, the people and the things that I feel have wronged me, right? Maybe I'm actually putting it back on me. And then I feel bad because I have that anger towards that person. You know, it, it, yeah. just, it all starts to become so layered. You and, I, you and I talked about that over the phone last week is uh, something that I read not too long ago was we're really one of the first generations to have feelings about our feelings. Mm-hmm. I love that we're talking about feelings, but... We also have a tendency, we as a culture, to minimize what we're feeling. So it could be, for instance, with, with COVID, I heard quite a bit from quite a few people um, that it, you know, it's been hard on, on their family. It's been difficult on um, their schedules, their jobs, all of that. And then immediately after saying something of that nature, They'll say, oh, but I, I know I should feel grateful because mm. I don't have it as bad. And you can feel both at the same time. Sure. But 
you know, saying, and I just said it, but the word but, you know, I feel, I feel disappointed in, in the fact that COVID is here Mm -hmm. and present, but I should feel grateful. So that, but just negated the fact that, yeah, yeah. No, and, 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 and ambivalence, you know, is, is so, I think, very authentic because, you know, I, I, I go through the feeling wheel with, with guys pretty regularly, the guys I'm working with, and they kind of laugh at themselves because they feel like they're always picking these opposite emotions. They're like, well, I'm in this pie, but I'm also in this pie. And, you know, the, the feeling wheel is broken into different type of emotional pies for people. You can look it up. But you know, so they're feeling something good, but they're also feeling something sad and they're feeling something happy, but they're also feeling something anxious, Yeah, you know, and that's okay. Absolutely. The authenticity of the emotional experience, I think is part of the solution, right. Of dealing with these resentments that we have, you know, staying stuck in, in a state of not talking about the stuff, not authentically articulating the emotions that can be dangerous as well because it almost circles back on itself right i have this resentment towards this person because i feel like they have wronged me right i'm going to continue to sit in the emotions that i have about that and i think in some cases i think we all do this we start feeling justified absolutely i'm so glad you said it (laughs) we start feeling like you know what that person really did wrong me and I feel totally justified in being upset about it or acting out or in, in deciding that, you know, I'm going to think this way about them. And it's almost kind of like there's a, the sense of pride starts to take over, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, now I'm not saying that we shouldn't be upset with people that have wronged us. I think again, the authenticity of the emotion is important, but how is that serving me that alone Mm -hmm. sitting in that state alone? Like how is that serving the person I'm trying to be or the life that I'm trying to live? Right. Right. Um, I think that, that that's where, again, to kind of go back to what is my role in all this? Right. Even in, in a situation where you feel like you have had no control over uh, what was done to you Mm -hmm. or what had happened. Um, we do have a control over our response to that moving forward. And I think part of our response to that is, is an honest look at and a recognition of not only whatever our role was, but what are our emotions about that? Yeah. And, and, and a big way to overcome that is to recognize those emotions share them with somebody else. And then once that happens, there's sort of this surrender process Oh yeah. where because I'm bringing others into my experience, others into my conversation and getting vulnerable, some of that's allowed to be let go. Right. Yeah. I mean that vulnerable is, is a big piece. Like I even think back to what you were saying, the feelings wheel and someone might check in with me that they're happy. And then the next breath they say, but I'm sad. And I almost think I'm happy and I'm sad. We are complex individuals. And to voice where I'm at 
on any given day with someone that I trust and sharing openly, that's vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And I think about uh, resentments, you know, over the years, let's see, I was 31 when I got into recovery. So that's 31 years of stuffing, numbing, numbing, <laughs> um, you know, simmering, stewing, justifying, rationalizing. Oh yeah. Which becomes in a way I look at it like, you know, my gut, it was hard when I was drinking and acting out to really trust my gut because I didn't trust myself. And so that part of me became covered, mm-hmm. which to me is my spirit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, some people look at it like a garbage can and resentment, not anger, but resentment that just stews mm-hmm. and is never really addressed just creates more and more trash, so mm. to speak. And that's why for those of us in recovery, I know for me, I don't, I'm not going to speak for you, Seth, but I have to continuously look at my day, uh, resentments, um, potential resentments, mm-hmm. and I have to share it with someone that I trust. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's uh, taking out the trash is, you know, uh, a great way of looking at the surrender process. Um, No, I think you're right. There's so much to those things being in place. And I think sometimes we don't even like it. It's like resentment begets resentment, you know, it it builds. It's like a um, it's a really dangerous Right. Kind of kind of cycle, because we will justify how we feel about something. Right. And then um, we feel pretty good about that, you know, even I mean, in a weird way, in a very morbid kind of way. And so that continues on. I think this is part of in for some for some folks, and and I think for me from time to time as well, right? This has been kind of that armor that you have that sort of it's like this protection from the world type thing, right? Well, I'm going to be able to dismiss the uncomfortableness, um, you know, the 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 issues that I may have, the the, the raw feelings of being wronged by others. Right. And and not really face that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just mentioned the vulnerability, you know, which you mentioned the courage interchangeable in, in my world. Right. Uh, we put that stuff out there. We share it with somebody else. All of a sudden we get a little bit more empowered. Right. Um, there's a freedom in that ownership mm-hmm. of, 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 OK, I actually feel this way about this person and. I may have done something to them in some cases, right? Not always, but in a lot of cases, we if we dig down deep enough, we find the reason we're feeling the way we do is our own fault. Yeah. And you mentioned it before. If I'm not the problem, then there is no solution. 
And a lot of people have a really hard time with beginning to see that. Oh, right? yeah. I mean, I think awareness. Um, I believe the first step of any recovery is honesty. So the precursor to that or the pre-K for recovery is awareness. Yep. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You don't know what you can't see, right? Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that, you know, even even in the beginning, but even today, I still have to to pray for awareness. Um, you know, for me, God, God, give me your eyes. Show me what you see. Um, and so a lot of us will call that the gift of desperation, G-O-D. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what you just said, Seth, it reminded me of a term many of us use in recovery is egomaniac with an inferiority complex. Oh. <laughs> Love it. I, forget, I hadn't heard that one in a while. Yes. Yeah, so the, the resentment, yeah, it in a way, puts me on a pedestal to justify why I'm doing what I'm doing. It puts me in a place of really self-righteousness. And on the flip of it, same coin, is self-loathing. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm not worthy enough to be free of this. I'm not worthy enough to... Um, confront yeah it's it, it it gets layered uh, the other way i've i've heard it is um um i'm not i don't really like myself or i don't think uh, i i i can't stand myself but i'm all i think about mm -hmm. right? or i'm not much but i'm all I'm, i think about yeah, yes yeah, yeah yeah so um a very weird dichotomy that this stuff can kind of put us in. I wanted to um, share an example, or, or actually I just wanted to share um, from a book called We Are, we Are the Luckiest by Laura McCowan. Um, and we can put the information in the comments for um, those who want to check it out. I mean, you can look it up. It's called We Are, we Are the Luckiest. Um, she identifies as a person in recovery, and she has a pretty much a memoir that's filled with lots of different nuggets, if you will. Um, she just kind of drops throughout. Highly recommend. And I, it was not a game changer for me in the sense that she was kind of rewording a lot of things in great, great, elegant ways that I had sort of ex experimented with in my mind in terms of recovery. But I know some for some people it has been. So highly recommend checking it out. But she's got this great chapter uh, and – with a wonderful title of hell is other people, right? So true. <laughs> and she, she relays in this chapter, this story about uh, her, her and her mother. And essentially she's talking about resentment she has with her mother. And she talks about how it was a big thing for the two of them to, you know, drink wine together. And that was kind of, as she mentioned, I believe something along the lines of filling the empty spaces in their relationship, right? And so she goes along um, talking about what it was like to be in that environment, 
specifically at a dinner party that they were having after she stopped drinking in early sobriety. Okay. Let's put it that way. And her mother, um, and at this particular event was not drinking almost as a way of trying to honor her daughter's support being sober. Other people were right. And she talks about how she went to leave and realized she had forgotten her keys. And then she goes back inside to get her keys. And there her mom is cracking open a bottle of wine oh. as if, oh, I couldn't wait for her to leave. Yeah. Now, you know, most of this is, is Laura's perception as she's telling the story of, of that experience. Right? I relate to Laura. Yeah. And, and she goes... what. Essentially, what she goes into is a, it's a wonderful kind of um, description of what it is like to pretend that you should be feeling differently than you do. And a lot of this back and forth that we do about, um, especially in early recovery, right, trying to be real with ourselves, trying to tell ourselves the truth. And she has a great section in there where she talks about giving yourself permission, right? Giving yourself permission to, to be 100% honest with your situation. You know, if you don't know, you don't know. If you're uncomfortable, you're uncomfortable. If you miss drinking, you miss drinking, right? If you don't know what you're feeling, then you don't know what you're feeling. And as she's going through that, she talks about how the authenticity of continuing to stay in that space of being real with the situation and not trying to justify, rationalize, or blame, right? And she has this great line because she's, she talks about how things progressed for her. And she says, it changed, but only because I let myself be messy until I wasn't so messy anymore. Yeah. Right? And that's kind of this forgiveness that we may have mentioned early on, right? You can go from recognizing I've done these things or these things have been done to me to a space of authenticity in your emotional experience about them. And especially in, in the empathy experiences you have by sharing this stuff with other people. And that allows us to really release this stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And there is a forgiveness of self and of others that really goes hand in hand in that process. Yeah. The freedom piece is, um, there's nothing like it. Nothing like it. Yeah, I, I call I call forgiveness, my definition for it is the brutal honesty that leads to serenity. Because if I, or you could say rigorous honesty that leads to serenity. If I really take a good, honest look, especially if I'm inviting other people into that conversation, right? You know, I, I can see that the, what I'm feeling, the sense of being wronged by God and everybody sometimes, right, is not about what was done, and it's not about what people think about me, and it's not always my fault, right? Um, we can finally see that we've been doing things to try and make ourselves feel better about something, to have control, to take control, control back, but really what we're going to say is, you know what, I messed up and that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I, you, you use the word authenticity quite a bit yeah. and I love it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I thought, okay, well, what if I'm listening to this podcast for the very first time 
I really don't know anything about recovery, but I'm a little curious. So what exactly is authenticity? And it's a return to self in a way. It's mm -hmm. like, I have to be honest. Sometimes I have to be rigorously honest. I can be kind and honest at the same time. Uh, there's this misnomer that, well, if I'm honest, um, the other person's going to hate me or, you know, it, yeah. and what you shared, I mean, it, the mess, like I'll often mention this to individuals with whom I work, um, clients, peers, that really this life we're living in the end is a beautiful mess, beautiful mess. Mm -hmm. And it, it's never the way I would have done things, God, yeah. <laughs> you know, and, and I gotta, Thanks. I gotta tell you, I, even on my resentment list, uh, in the very beginning, when I started to tackle resentments, God was on there mm -hmm. and something powerful happened uh, really just an explanation. I was talking to my sponsor and, and I asked her, well, sometimes we are wronged. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we are treated unfairly, whether we were children, uh, adolescents, young adults, well into adulthood. And how, how do I find my part in that? And she took a pause like her very wise self often does. And she said, well, let me ask you something. Does this particular resentment, whatever it is that I might be looking at or others might be looking at for themselves, does this particular resentment carry over or spill over sideways and affect your other relationships? Mm -hmm. Do you find yourself uh, restless, irritable, discontented? Do you find yourself being short, snippy mm -hmm. with those that you love dearly? Mm -hmm. And I said, 100%. She said, that's your part. And for me, for many of us, I have an activity that I now do and i i will even do this activity to this very day at night especially before bed if i know that this this feels icky because if it feels icky it probably is sure. it's we say eating my lunch it's eating my lunch and and it's spilling out sideways and so this particular activity there's there's structure to it to help me see my part. And wow, how freeing and releasing this endeavor is for us. Mm -hmm. But it does take courage and it does take awareness. Yeah, and there are, um, you know, there, there are questions, um, you know, prompts that people will kind of go through on a regular basis to try and practice getting to the heart of that stuff, right? Um, you know, 
have I wronged somebody today? Did I feel like that there was a place where I owed an apology and I didn't give one? You know, mm-hmm. uh, these kind of questions. Going through that, you start practicing and these things become a little bit more of a habit in terms of the mindset, right? Um, am I carrying some stuff around with me? And you want to talk about authenticity, right? You know, and Laura McCowan mentioned, you know, just being real with yourself. But one thing that I will, will, will kind of say to guys is like, if you ever stop and think about, you know, why do I feel so burdened? Why do I feel so heavy? Heavy. You know, um, what is it that's sticking in my side, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> a thorn. And, and, you know, if we get real about it, and I'll even recognize myself, like I'll, I'll catch myself in a bad mood, right? And I'm like, all right, there's a reason for this. Now, what is it? Yeah. And sometimes I can fish through it, but sometimes I need to bring somebody else into that conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And when you, it's like a lot of things, and when you get intentional about it and you dig in like that, um, you're able to be experiencing life on a on a much more intentional level, right? But also in a, it becomes much more fulfilling for you because you're actively taking notice of how you are interacting with the people around you, how you're experiencing them. And then also, what is it about me that I'm trying to apply onto somebody else, right? And is that right? Is that fair? And no, the opportunity is to let go of that. And we can then allow the people around us to be who they want to be as we be ourselves in trying to honor each other. And there's a forgiveness that is is part of all of that process. I And I do believe, I know we're coming up, you know, to, well, we're bumping up against time. And so what I was thinking is for our next episode is to proceed it with forgiveness. Mm. And how do I get there if I have no desire? Mm. And, and why is it so important? Um, I'll share this. Uh, I guess maybe five years into my recovery, a friend of mine shared a resentment prayer with me. And I typed it out. You know, I, I reference it quite a bit and it really gave me eyes of compassion for others, even those who have wronged me. Because I realized we're all seeking the same thing. We're all seeking love and acceptance. And some people may not use the healthiest tools, mm-hmm. but to offer compassion, I think that was the beginning of forgiveness. Yeah, we're all carrying something around. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I got plenty of baggage. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, and and when we can recognize that in others, oh, you know, maybe somebody wasn't intentionally trying to wrong me. Maybe people don't think about me as much as I think they do. Oh, yeah, I know, right? <laughs> it's like the whole world's coming for you. No, yeah. you know, it feels that way sometimes, right? And that's yeah. okay. Yeah. But the authenticity allows us to kind of um, filter through that. And, and then 
you know, move past. Yeah, it really is. It, it doesn't. Recovery and freedom from resentment even is a marathon, not a race. It's a journey, not a destination. Amen. Uh, but I'll, I'll just include these lines of the prayer. Uh, it says, God, help me to remember that just like me, this person is seeking some happiness for their life. Just like me, this person is trying to avoid suffering in their life. Just like me, this person has known sadness, loneliness, and despair. Just like me, this person is seeking to fulfill their needs. And just like me, this person is learning about life. Mm. And to approach resentment and authenticity and honesty with eyes of compassion I mean that's recovery absolutely absolutely we'll um, we'll put that prayer in the comments as well as well as the feelings wheel yeah we can put the feelings wheel in there yeah we'll, 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 we'll pass a lot of information along in this one yeah as always we want to thank you guys for listening uh, please subscribe share give us comments give us feedback you want to connect with us um, you can always go to recoverycoachatl.com and uh, find ways to uh, email us or contact us there we're grateful for all of you and i'm grateful for you seth grateful for you as well what a, what a good session yes yeah we'll pick back up on this uh, some more next time <laughs>